The Daily Tap is live for Monday. It is April 17th. We'll talk about why you do not need to freak out about the Milwaukee Bucks losing game number one unless Giannis is seriously hurt. We will also uh, talk about Golden Kegs from the game, recapping the players that played the best, the players that played the worst. We'll talk about how the Brewers survived without Brandon Woodruff for a significant amount of time. We will also do Golden Kegs over their series win over the San Diego Padres. And then we'll talk about why Buda Baker's trade request makes me upset as a Packer fan. All that bundled into one podcast. Uh, you guys know where to find us on social media. Tap the keg on Twitter. Tap the keg sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. Uh, it's been a good week on the Instagram reels. Uh, a lot of people have been sharing our stuff, liking what we're doing. Uh, that's really great. Uh, we'll try to keep that up, keep that momentum going. Uh, if you are already subscribed, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you are. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, the sport has been great. As mentioned, uh, it's been continuing. We really have sustained what we've seen out of the month of March. So that is great. Uh, keep that up. Uh, and if you are not subscribed, yeah, you know, where, uh, you know where to find us. But if you are subscribed, there we go. Uh, make sure that you are rated and reviewed. We haven't had a review in a long time. We're due for a review. Uh, make sure you send one through with Apple. We'd appreciate that. If you're not going to do that, if you don't want to listen to it, at least drop us in the group chat. Uh, as you know, this is one of the best places that you can hear Bucks Heat recap, as well as other things going on in Wisconsin sports. We're not just going to ignore the Brewers. We're not just going to ignore the Packers. Just because it's Bucks playoff season doesn't mean that those things get the back burner. I think Mitch might have said that on the podcast for him personally. That's not how I roll. So I will be locked in the Brewers Mariners on Monday night, as well as Tuesday, as well as Wednesday, and then back at it for Bucks Heat. And then the Packers draft will get going. We'll cover it all, baby. And that's, I think, unique. Um, and that's why I like what we do. And I'm proud of what we do on a day-to-day basis. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and their game one loss to the Miami Heat. Bucks losing today was something I think that a few people saw coming, right? Uh, it was kind of line, lined up very poorly to go against the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks had a layoff of 11 days while the Heat had played two playoff-like games in the last five days. Now, if I had done a Bucks Heat preview on Saturday, which I said maybe I would do, I didn't get to it, unfortunately, I would have said to you that I wasn't as worried about the game one struggles because the Heat were an older team. They had that, that's three games in five days. That's a lot of wear and tear on the body. Uh, but the Heat took that take and flushed it right down the fucking toilet. The Heat were ready to play. They were actively engaged. I expected the Bucks to have maybe a little bit of a dip in the first half. Like I, I might have even said it on a podcast last week that I, I recommended maybe taking even the Heat first half money line because I, I just felt like Miami would be prepared for that first half, unlike the Bucks, because the Bucks were knocking off some rust from 11 days. Instead, it really wasn't the case. The Heat sort of took control of the the game and felt like they were perpetually up nine points for most of it. Like once the Heat got up by a couple, like six to nine, they were never never out of that range. It was like six to 12 for the entire game. Uh, The Bucks had moments where they came back, uh, but at the end, the Heat would always hit a shot to kind of push it back out. The same tropes hurt the Bucks in this game, right? That we've seen in the playoffs. I saw Bart Winkler had a tweet that said, this is like greatest hits of all the Bucks playoff losses of the last six years. He's absolutely right. 
three-point shooting issues, uh, the Heat making everything, weird bud rotations, uncharacteristic play, especially on the defensive end. It was all the shit that we have seen before when the Bucs lose a playoff game. It's like the Bucs are very predictable in a sense that they can't lose a playoff game where it's 110 to 109 and it's a last second shot by Butler or something like that. It has to be this weird shooting night. It has to be a night where the defense completely is asleep and the layoff really hurt the Bucs. I think that's something you could say. We're going to talk about Giannis's injury here in a second, but I think just from a thousand mile view, the layoff really affected the Bucs. And we, we always have the conversation of about layoffs and do they matter in sports and I think what we're we saw with the Bucks is that it, it did. Like the Bucks really, you know, pushed down the leveler and said everybody's kind of getting the weekend off. Nobody's playing, and I understand they're an older team; they need to get healthy. But I think you can push back on that and say maybe the Bucks needed a little bit of sort of time, understanding they were going to play Sunday, that they should have at least been out there on Friday and Sat and Sunday. And just played a little bit. Like not saying they play a full 30, 30, 35 minutes, but just out there for the first half. Then you could play the starters in the second half just so your your body's still moving. And I know Middleton said like the two, Thursday practice was as intense as we've had one, you know, since the All-Star break and everything else. But the Bucks came out flat-footed. The Bucks did not come ready to play. And it's very interesting because the Bucks played the Heat after their All-Star break. And they looked well-rested. They blew out that Heat team. The Bucs were on fire. They could not miss in that first half. They looked like an absolute fucking wagon in that game. And then the dichotomy of that to what we saw to last night, and it's like night and day. It's like the Bucs just kind of, you know, went through the motions a little bit, and it, it was just weird for a playoff game, right? And the, play, the rotation sucked. I thought Bud not putting in Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez at the start of the fourth quarter was really fucking weird. I thought the fact that he kept Chris Middleton out in the third quarter was also strange, given the fact that Chris Middleton was on absolute fire. So I like that that type of stuff didn't make sense. Like, is it one big rope dope for Mike Budenholzer? I understand that it annoys a lot of fans. I, I don't get entirely that annoyed because I just it comes with the territory. And I thought that the Bucs would be able to, you know, be able to overcome the heat, you know, being well, you know, prepped and ready to roll just in the second half and they would take over and, and they almost did, right? And I think we could make the case that if Giannis Antetokounmpo was playing that game, the Bucs might have won that game by seven or eight, right? And they would have just taken control and flipped the switch. Because they were down five multiple moments in this game, and they could not get it to single digits. And I feel when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, you have his presence, things would have changed. And now we can talk about the Giannis' injury because no one saw it coming. We, I mean, Bucks were fully healthy really for the first time all season. And of course, in the first quarter of the playoff, the first playoff game, Giannis Antetokounmpo goes down with an injury on a very dangerous charge move by Kevin Love sliding under Giannis Antetokounmpo, which is going to raise a lot of conversations tomorrow. That is going to be a lot of the talk on first take because John Morant also got hurt in a similar fashion. It sounds like John Morant won't play on Wednesday night. The status for Giannis is unclear. Joel Embiid had a similar thing that happened to him on Saturday. He was fine from it. But Joel Embiid also, you know, had it, and it was the same play for all three, where it were it were guys sliding in. 
So could the charge finally get banned in that sense and make it a vertical thing that you have to stay vertical and you cannot fall? They tried, you know, obviously the flopping warnings and everything else in the charge circle, but it seems like it needs a change and it's gaining momentum. I don't think it's an overreaction to talk about that and have that dialogue. And I do think that is going to be one of the top topics when it comes to recapping the first weekend of NBA playoff games. I just, the Bucks were completely thrown off sort of their horse because their best player, their MVP was not out there. And the Bucks played games without Giannis all season, right? He only played, I think, 63 games total this year. So they've had those games, but they've gone into those games knowing Giannis hasn't, isn't going to be out there. They, the only ones I can think of where Giannis left for a majority of the game, he left for that Heat game, but at that point, the Bucs were on fire. They didn't need to come back. They were you know red hot and didn't miss. And then in the Bulls game where he left with the wrist injury early on, again, that Bulls team was down bad. They really didn't have their shit together. They were just wanting to get the all-star break. They were looking forward to Cancun. And the Bucs were able to pulverize them. But again, that was very early on in the game. And while the Giannis thing happened, you know, early in the second quarter, the Bucs were already trailing. The Bucs were already down. And they they did not play well in that second quarter. Like if I, I look at the, the between quarters, first quarter was a mess for the Bucs. Second quarter, I thought was where the Bucs lost this game. In the third quarter, I actually thought the Bucs played kind of well at, at certain spots. But the third quarter at the end was a disaster. So like third quarter is a weird, it's kind of like a three keg if we're going to cold kegs, right? Like it, it, there were some good moments that third quarter and it really felt like the Bucks were tightening things up, but the heat pulled away right at the end and all of a sudden they b- brought the lead back out. So it's, it's frustrating, right? And it's, it definitely annoys you. You're definitely gonna hear a lot of, a lot of ridiculous takes um, probably in the next couple of days. But just know the Bucs can win this series if Giannis Antetokounmpo isn't at full strength or he doesn't play. Do I think they can go any farther than that? I don't know. I got to wait and see who the opponent is. I got to wait and see this team without Giannis. Like there's there's a lot of questions. I don't really want to have that conversation. You know, when we were talking about what could derail the Bucks title run with Mitch last week, Mitch didn't want to talk about injuries. He's like, I'm not, I'm not even going to speak that into existence. I said, okay, we'll talk about it. Well, now we have to talk about it. I won't talk about the future. I'll talk about the present. And I know that the Bucs, without Giannis, if they can prepare, they can, win the, they can win this series. This was an outlier game. And this was not a game that you can look at and say, okay, yeah, this is the reason why the Bucs lost this game is because they can't do it without Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's just simply not true. The Miami Heat shot lights out. They made so many baskets. They were 60% from the field. They were 60% from the three-point line. This from Zach Cram, uh, who does like analytic stuff for the ringer. The Heat shot 18% better than their expected field goal percentage per second spectrum based on factors like shot location, shooter identity. That's the biggest overperformance of any team in any playoff game in the last five postseasons in parentheses skipping the bubble 
Cram also noted that the Heat outshot the Bucks 36 percentage points in threes, 60% to 24%. It's the third biggest margin in any game in playoff history. Teams are now 39-0 in the playoffs when they win the three-point battle by 25% or more. Make or miss league, which he's right. So we have to use the the infamous outlier game. I know we hate it. I know it's annoying. But the Heat just made everything tonight. The Heat were feeling themselves. And it was not necessarily all on the Bucs. And I know we want to say, oh, this defense was terrible. This defense was really bad. I mean, 18% better than your expected field goal percentage based on shot location, shooter identity. Like, that's that's when it's, it's just not your night. I, I use this example way too often, but it's like the UConn game that Marquette had where no one was beating Marquette. No one was beating UConn that night. I don't think a lot of teams were going to beat the Heat that with how they played today. I don't think the Celtics would have. I don't think the Sixers would have. I don't think the uh, Cavaliers would have. I don't think the Warriors would have. Like The Heat were just on another fucking level today. Do I think they're going to get back to that level? Absolutely not. And I think without Giannis, they, the Bucks will still be all right. They did some nice things, I thought, I thought in the second half. I thought Chris Middleton really established himself. I think Chris Middleton can get buckets against anybody that the Heat throw at him. I think there's a pick and roll opportunity with Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday or Joe Ingles because I don't know how much Bam Adebayo, even though he's known for being a pretty solid defender, I don't think he can bang with Brooke. And the, they switch a ton. So you can get Brooke Lopez into matchups. And they don't have Tyler Harrow, who's out with a broken hand. He's going to miss the next four to six weeks. And not having Tyler Harrow on, uh, you know, from a shooting perspective, you had a great outlier game and you lose your best three-point shooter. You had to use Duncan Robinson, who's been in a casket for the last two months. And of course, he had a fucking huge three. Because why wouldn't he? But are you really going to expect that all of these guys are going to show up again? I know Jimmy Butler will. Jimmy Butler's an amazing playoff player. But is everybody going to? The Heat were a bad team for a reason this year, right? The Heat were average to bad all season. What makes us think that suddenly the Heat have found the magic in the bottle? That Heat have finally just figured it all out? And remember, another thing to keep in mind, they were trailing to that Chicago Bulls team for most of that playoff, that playing game. It looked like Chicago was going to be that team. And then the Heat went on a 15 to 1 run in the final three minutes of that game. So that's where I'm like, don't panic if Giannis is, you know, if Giannis is healthy enough, like, it's okay. I wonder if the Bucks would wait till game three to bring back Giannis if, you know, the results are like, hey, you, it would really benefit you if you take another night off and you're back for game three. Because that would be six days for Giannis Antetokounmpo and would give him, you know, a little extra time. I think we were very thankful that the NBA spreads things out. So you have it on Wednesday. It's not Tuesday. I think that would be really tough for the Bucs. If Giannis was playing Tuesday night, I don't think we could bank on that. And is it a must win for Milwaukee to win at home? Maybe. I, even if they went down 2-0, I'm still not going to sweat it. Because they've won in Miami in a playoff atmosphere before. They, they did that when they were up 2-0. Uh, they are the best team in the league for a reason. They can, they can do this. They can win four straight against Miami. They could win, you know, they win seven if it needs to go seven. It has, you know, weird, dumb shit like this has happened before. 
the Bucks have played better on the road in the playoffs in the past. That has that also has happened. So I'm not I'm not freaking out. I'm not panicking. Uh, I it obviously puts more importance on Game Three. Uh, makes it more annoying that I'm not going to be able to watch Game Three the way I'd like to, uh, which we can talk about uh, later this week. But that type of stuff, I'm not I'm not panicking. I'm not ready. I'm not like okay, yeah, this is a completely. This is completely different than what I expected. I, I kind of expected this. I kind of hoped it wouldn't happen, uh, but it did. And now we'll just sort of see where where it goes from here. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot that could happen and we'll just have to wait. At the end of the day, the Milwaukee Bucks plan to run this offense with a fully healthy roster that got ran the fuck over by Kevin Love. And they will adjust and respond. They typically do in the butt era. They've never lost two straight home playoff games. Without Antetokounmpo, the series would probably go long. If he does end up playing, the Bucs could still win this thing in five. They just need to play play defensively and just keep in mind, this was an outlier game and those happen. And we will move on and flush this one down the toilet and get ready for game number two. Before we do, uh, let's talk about Golden Kegs. Uh, we do this best and worst uh, from the game. Five kegs being the best, uh, one keg being the worst. We've done this on and off with the Bucks. We've been really good about it with the Brewers and doing it on social media. I don't think I'm going to bring it back to social for the Bucks. Maybe Instagram. I don't know. I haven't decided. I haven't done Golden Kegs for uh, t- Instagram for the Brewers. I did a little bit, but TikTok, I've been on top of it every after every series. Tapping the keg sports if you aren't following on the, and that's for both Instagram and TikTok. But anyways, five kegs do with Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton was really good at this game. Uh, any worries about Chris Middleton's health uh, could get flushed right down the toilet. 33 points in 33 minutes uh, on 12 to 20 shots, nine rebounds, four assists. He did have five turnovers. Uh, there are some game, moments where Chris Middleton's brain just turns right off. Uh, but overall, Chris Middleton was the main reason the Bucks got themselves back in this basketball game. And I thought Middleton really played well. And as I said earlier, I don't think anyone on the Heat really has any answer for him. And Chris can be the guy. He can carry carry the load for this team. He's done it before. I'm not worried about Chris Middleton in these playoff moments. And he can be the guy for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's underappreciated. People forget about how good Chris Middleton can be. And I would, I would imagine that you also do see, you know, Chris Middleton doing a little more defensively, right? I know his knee is still, he's not the same athleticism on the defensive side as we've seen in the past, but I wonder if they will keep Middleton, you know, hovering around Jimmy Butler a little bit more. I know Drew will probably be the main assignment for Jimmy Butler, but do you use Middleton a little bit? He's crafty enough to get in his kitchen and frustrate Butler. I think you are, I think you're really going to see a good Chris Middleton through this entire series, with or without Giannis. Uh, Chris just looks ready for the moment. He was, he's been an awesome playoff player, player in the past, and it looks sort of like history is repeating himself there, at least through one game, uh, if we can overreact. Uh, two, four kegs goes to Bobby Portis. I thought Bobby did a really good job off the bench. He had 21 points in this game, eight rebounds. He didn't make any threes, uh, but he was still solid for Milwaukee. 
I actually wish Bobby would have played more. Uh, I think that Bud took him out after he drew a charge in the. In, I think it was in the second quarter. I forget. I think the Bucks were down like nine, like like we said, perpetually down nine. But Bobby had taken a charge. Fans were fired up, chanting Bobby, and Bud took him out of the game. And it's like, why would you do that? What like and that's the, that's the Bud stuff, man. That was frustrating from this game. It's like why. Why are you taking Bobby out after he just had a charge? After he got a charge called, you know, to the Bucks' direction, the officiating absolute joke tonight. We won't talk about him as like one keg, but man, fucking Tony Brothers, how does he keep getting to work NBA playoff games? Somebody answer me that question. What has Tony Brothers done to get get himself to a position where he's he's working playoff games? Tony Brothers was fucking terrible in this game. I'm sorry, but uh, back to Bob Portis. Like, yeah, he got taken out of the game a little bit, like. I don't know. I think Bobby, you know, it, he could play in this matchup. This matchup works for Bobby. I think there are going to be some where we'll see limited Bobby Portis. We should see a lot of Bobby in this series. I think he can frustrate Kevin Love. I think he can frustrate Bam Adebayo. I think you, the Bucks could go a little bigger, right, because they're pretty undersized. Like, their starting lineup is Gabe Vincent, Tyler Harrow is now hurt, Max Struess, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. Are they going to bring Lowry into the rotation now that, that Tyler Harrow's out? I hope so. Uh, he would get cooked if it's Duncan Robinson. Terrible defense. I would imagine it actually might be Caleb Martin who had 15 off the bench. Like, to me, that would be the move. Uh, I think he's uh, he's like a bigger guy that the Bucks tend – Caleb, sorry. I, his, I was referring to his brother. Uh, that's some, a guy the Bucks have had issues with in the past. So maybe that's that's the move. But anyways, I still think Bobby can have some big moments. And he might get the start. If Giannis can't go, Bobby's going to get that role. And I think he'll do well. So I, I, the stock's high, I think, for Mr. Portis. Three kegs goes to Drew Holiday. I didn't think it was a great – it was not a good offensive day at all for Drew Holiday from a shooting perspective. He was 6 of 18. Uh, we've seen you know Drew struggle in the playoffs before. I think the thing that was kind of eye-popping is he had 16 assists in this game. That's a lot of fucking assists for Drew Holiday. Uh, he's he was really dishing it and really finding you know the open guys. And I I think it it makes it almost a little more frustrating, right? Because I, they could have had more, right? They they were a little too much one on one going on, especially in the fourth quarter. And I just wish they would have kept put you know mo- moving the ball around because. There were way too many moments where the Bucks just had one and done, you know, in terms of their shooting. They were really bad in terms of the offensive glass. They had eight offensive rebounds in total, uh, which it, it, there just needs to be more. I think with an undersized team like the Heat, you should be grabbing more rebounds, um, and they didn't. And there you have it, and and that's frustrating. And but Holiday, you know, doing doing his job as a point guard, finding the open guys. You just wish. You know, even a little bit more in terms of the collective. Like, it shouldn't have just been all Drew Holiday, you know, having, you know, a massive assist total. Uh, The closest one to him was Middleton with four. Grayson Allen had three. So that's, and that just kind of speaks to it, right? Um, Multiple guys with zero, one or two. But, you know, there needed to be more distributors than just Drew Holiday. Two kegs goes to Brooke Lopez. Ah, Brooke, man, not much offensively today. And, it was very uncharacteristic. We've seen just Brooke Lopez dominate, you know, in terms of offense this year. He's really made a case for All-NBA, in my opinion. But the offensive Brooke Lopez was not there 
in this game, right? And we've just seen it so many times. Like the Chicago game, he had 26 points. The Washington game, he had 20. Even in a Philly game, which is probably a harder matchup than the first two mentioned, he had 21 points. This is Brooks' worst output since the Boston game where they got blown out where he had eight. But if you took like full 30 minutes of Brook Lopez where he played 30, it's hard to find a bad game for him where it was not like foul trouble was the reason why. Trying to look and see. Like, it's crazy. I guess the last one that you could point to was the the game against the Lakers um, on the on where he played anywhere from like 33 to 38 minutes. He played 33 minutes in that game and he had nine points. And that was kind of what we saw tonight. He had he played 36 minutes and had 10 points. We have not seen that for Bill Clopez. Also, only seven shot attempts. He had a lot more shot attempts, you know, throughout the season. So the Bucs need to, you know, kind of refocus themselves on, on Brooke Lopez and feeding Brooke a little bit more and making sure Brooke's staying in the paint and doing more. Because, yeah, this so on, this was an uncharacteristic Brooke game. And I, the defense wasn't great against Bam. Bam hit a lot of shots. Brooke dared him to shoot, and Bam made him. And I think Brooke needs to make a slight adjustment there and get out on Bam a little bit more. He was 10 of 18 from the field. Uh, today, which is pretty pretty good. I mean, nearly had a triple double in this game. Like, you need to do more with Bam Adebayo and come out on him just a little bit more. Like, and I understand defensive player of the year. He's played great in that role, but Bam ate his lunch today, and it's partly due to the fact he was daring him to shoot, and he did. And again, there was no adjustment. Why wasn't there an adjustment made? Whether it's Mike Budenholzer or Brook himself. So frustrating uh, to say the least. One keg goes to Kevin Love, first of all. Man, I, I'm not going to get over that for a long time, especially if Giannis is actually hurt. Like, if he has, like, a bruised tailbone and he's out for four weeks, uh, I, I mean, that's – Kevin Love's enemy number one. I mean, that just simply put, like, I've talked about how beloved Giannis is. I talked about how the future was so bright. And now we have yet another fucking playoff series where we have to go, well, if everyone would have stayed healthy. I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I really don't. Like, it, it, and that's another story for another time. Let's not overreact. Let's not get to that point. But I, I just, I think that's such a loser way to, to handle things. But it, it has to be said that way. And it's such shitty luck. It's the first fucking quarter. And Kevin Love had to slide in because he can't play defense anymore. Because the guy is a goddamn statue. Either play defense or don't play at all, old man. Like, honestly, fuck Kevin Love. Like, I, I know that sounds unprofessional. That sounds maybe more like a fan. But but seriously, like, it's just so dirty. And it was so it was so obvious what he was trying to do. And I know Kevin Love would be like, oh, I wasn't trying to hurt Giannis, whatever. But, man, he flopped in, in a Bobby play late in the game where, you know, again, another bullshit call where he just flopped. He sucks, man. Like, it's just he plays a shitty brand of basketball. Same with Kyle Lowry. Same with a lot of these guys. That's why I think there's an annoyance losing to this team. Uh, and Kevin Love is certainly part of it. Jay Crowder also another one keg. Uh, Jay Crowder, man. I think we all expected more from Jay. Um, it was a disappointing start. Defensively, he didn't look that great against Jimmy Butler. Um, and I don't know. Maybe it's a rhythm thing. Maybe it's, you know, Jay was a guy who actually played it out. Like he played uh, Friday and I think he played Sunday too. Uh, against the Raptors so Jay actually had less time off than some of the other Bucks. yet he still struggled and 
I don't know. Um, that's one of those things that I, I scratch my head. Is it, you know, him being surprised that Wes Matthews got in before him? That was questionable. Um, who knows? Uh, but I, I felt like defensive intensity did pick up the first time Jay was out there. Uh, but the second half was not great for him. And he needs to get better too. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, long way to go in the series. I'm not going to freak out. Uh, but I, I will be pretty upset at Kevin Love if this is a long-term injury and the Bucks have to survive without Giannis. Because if, if it's a bruised tailbone and it's a month-long injury, that's that puts you right at the Eastern Conference Finals. That means you have to win two series without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Not, not, not easy, to say the least. All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers, who had a really good weekend. So I know not probably a lot of you will care. I know we're all bumming about the Bucks' loss. But the Milwaukee Brewers had an awesome weekend, uh, winning three out of four uh, against San Diego. Uh, we'll, we'll do Golden Kegs in a little bit. The only negative that they had was that Brandon Woodruff's injury is a lot worse than we thought it was. He has a substrain of like the scapula, I believe it is, uh, in the, his back shoulder, uh, which was the cause of the shoulder inflammation. It means that Woodruff is going to likely miss around three months. Uh, that's how bad that injury is. I mean, that shelves Brandon Woodruff till the All-Star game. Uh, and the Brewers are going to have to figure out how to survive without him. I thought Brandon Woodruff was poised to have a huge year. I think I might have even mentioned that I felt like he could be the Cy Young candidate out of the Brewers starting rotation um, on a podcast. If I if I didn't, I think I did. Um, I, I definitely thought about it. And man, this is, this is a tough blow. Um, and the Brewers will have to figure out how to work around it. And they can do it, right? Um, you don't need to have, you know, all your guys be awesome. And if Wade Miley, you know, pitches, you know, at a, let's say a third to second starter level um, and Freddie Peralta levels up and Corbin Burns still pitches like a Cy Young, you'll be okay. Then you just have to hope like Eric Lauer and whoever your fifth guy is doesn't haunt you. Now, can you rely on Wade Miley to be that guy? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, it's it's a good start. Uh, Wade was really good for the Brewers. You know, in 2018, was part of that run. My dad texted me about Wade Miley today and was like, I told you that this was a major miss by David Stearns, even though I tried to tell him, like, I don't think this was David Stearns' fault. I, I didn't argue with him in text today because I was more focused on the Bucks, but I was like, I, like, it was, he went with Derek Johnson. Like, Derek Johnson, re like, changed his entire career. Derek Johnson took a job with the Reds, and Miley followed him to the Reds. And Miley wanted to keep working with Derek Johnson. I felt like that was the whole reason he went. Now, yeah, maybe the Brewers lowballed him, and they could have brought him back. But, yeah, having Wade Miley, you know, doing the same damn thing again is really fun. And I, I hope it continues. I don't know if it will. If it does, that will help bridge the gap with Woodruff. Now, Freddie Peralta obviously has to be better than what he was on Saturday. I'm not worried too much about that bad Fred start. I mean, none of these guys are going to pitch, you know, 30 amazing starts, right? That's just unrealistic and not and not going to happen. But I, I do I do think there's a chance you still still can get a lot of good stuff out of Freddie Peralta. Now the question is, how do you bridge that gap? Is it just a variety of guys? Is it just sort of a rotation of Maybe back end, shall we say, not quad A, potentially bullpen guys for really good teams. Maybe. Colin Ray was awesome in his first start. 
Jason Alexander, though, remember last year? He was also awesome in his first start. And, I, and I'm not trying to do that to diss Colin Ray, but I'm kind of just throwing water on the idea that Colin Ray can be the fifth guy. Maybe he is, at least for a time being, and that's that's how you start it. Um, Adrian Hauser could be ready sooner rather than later. Do you give Adrian Hauser another chance at starting? I feel like we've given him more chances than he needs, right? Like he's a cat. He just has nine lives. I, I mean, I'm open to the idea. I mean, we've seen a good version of Adrian Hauser in the past. You never know. Sometimes guys just figure it out again. I think for Adrian, it's always been between the years. Like if Adrian can figure out the mental aspect, I think he'd be a really good pitcher. And I know, I think it was Jack Stern who, who pushes on the idea that Hauser, Hauser should you know, like use his fastball a lot more. Or was it a sinker? I can't remember. I think it's a sinker. He's like adamant that they that he uses his fastball way too much. And Jack knows that shit, shit way more than I do. He's a great follow on Twitter by Jack Stern. If you don't follow him already, uh, get on that as a Brewer fan. But yeah, maybe you give Hauser an opportunity. Um, I chance a joke, obviously out of the equation, right? But can you survive that way? I, I don't know. Um, again, you're gonna need levels up from Miley and Peralta for that to happen. That's how you, you know, sort of nullify not having Brandon Woodruff. The other idea could be to go out and get somebody. And no one really wants to trade their pitching, especially if, even if they have a surplus. The only way they will is if they're struggling offensively. And it's still probably a little too early to find that, but it would be like an Adamus-like trade for the Brewers. And basically, I think the package would be either Tyrone Taylor and Luis, and or Luis Urias or somebody else because there's going to be some odd man out situations with Taylor and Urias. Now, I think Taylor is actually working his way back in because Joey Weimer struggled. Uh, Joey Weimer's not been, not been hitting the ball real well on this road trip. Uh, it's not been going well. And... That happens, right? Uh, these are young guys. We should expect that. I think there there's a case you could make if Taylor isn't ready in two weeks that should maybe call up Sal Freelich. I understand that's a lot of lefties, but Sal defensively, I think, I don't know if he's as good as Joey, but he's athletic enough to play a major league right field. He made an amazing catch over the weekend. Uh, he might not have the arm strength that Joey does, but still, you could put him out there. And I understand Council's very like obsessive about the righty-lefty stuff, but maybe you look at that. But yes, so maybe Taylor's not on the table, but he could be. And you just say, all right, we're going to go young, and Joey's good defensively, and he'll, we'll, figure it out. we'll figure out his offensive stuff as he continues to see more big league at-bats. You never know. And Taylor could be dealt, Rios could be dealt, and you get a starting pitcher that's you know more of a back-end guy. And maybe... You know, someone that necessarily hasn't fallen out of flavor, favor with a team, but just could help the Brewers a little bit more, and they could solve their offensive issues by getting either Urias or Taylor. I think that would be important. Now, Urias, I will say, he does. there is a team chemistry hater angle with him with the relationship he has with Willie Adamas and Freddy Peralta. You do, you do want to take that into consideration. And so I, I wonder how Matt Arnold handles that if – they do decide that they want to move on from Urias. I don't. I don't know if we're we're there yet, but that's that's sort of the break in case of emergency. I think that the Brewers' depth could be used to add some had some big league pieces, just like they did with Willie Adams. And and remember, we were critical of the Willie Adams thing. I think, and maybe it was just me, but I think a lot of us were because we were like, what are they doing? They have a shortstop with Urias. Why don't they just go with that? 
And we, I think a lot of people like Drew Rasmussen. I think a lot of people like J.P. Fireisen. Actually, J.P. Fireisen was more the guy uh, back then. Now, Drew Rasmussen has become a legitimate starter for the Rays, which I think is a little annoying that that was missed, even though Adonis is great, right? Just can never have enough starting pitching. You know, you have Drew Rasmussen in this rotation right now. You're probably feeling pretty good. But then again, would you have signed Wade Miley? Probably not. So who knows? Uh, but at the and I'm not advocating like against the Adonis trade. I'm just saying like there are you know there are things that where you just think about it a little bit where was he undervalued by the organization? That's all. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm I'm providing. But yes, I I think the Brewers ultimately will be fine without Brandon Woodruff. I I think it's not going to make things easy. Um, you probably can ill afford to have another injury, another starting pitching injury. That's the I think the scary part, right? Like there was a moment where Council came out to look at Wade Miley in the sixth inning. I was like, here we fucking go. And Gus Farland now in the DL with a hand injury. Um, and so you, you lose yet another player. Uh, Weaker had oblique soreness, but it sounds like it wasn't baseball related. It sounds like it was related to coughing because he had bronchitis. Um, he thinks he can be in the lineup on Tuesday. So I, I'm okay with that. Um, that it, or I'm glad, I guess, to hear that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's frustrating right now, and you can ill afford to lose anybody else, and that just makes you on pins and needles as a Brewers fan because that's how 2021 went off the rails. Is you started having pitcher injuries, and the Brewers couldn't keep up because they just it was it just didn't work out. But I will say the other part of this is the offense looks a lot better than it was last year, and so maybe you can sort of you know mitigate some of those problems with a red hot offense as long as they stay red hot. Great transition into Golden Kegs. Um, if you're, We already ran through the, the spiel on that with the Bucks. It's the same process, uh, five to one, uh, for the series win over the Padres. Really solid effort by the Brewers. Uh, taking three out of four to San Diego is not easy. Seven and one against New York and San Diego is definitely something to hang your hat on for the month of April already. Um, the Brewers have a few more series left. But the hard part of their schedule is pretty much over after Seattle. Uh, Boston is decent, but they are not, you know, I would not call Boston a playoff team right now. You have Detroit, you have the Angels who are kind of in that same category as Boston actually. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that this is, you know, a really, really strong message for the Brewers to send. Uh, as the Padres and Mets were both teams that were planning to contend not only for the NL crown, but for the World Series. And they still might. They still probably will. And I'm very thankful that the Brewers were able to play the Padres before Tatis got back. Uh, Fernando Tatis is absolutely tearing the cover off the fucking ball. He's going to be up next Thursday. Um, and I think it's going to be all systems go when Tatis is back in the big leagues. But yes, Golden Kegs, five kegs for me is Roddy Tellez. Great weekend for Rowdy. Uh, Rowdy really found his stroke again. Uh, he had had kind of a rough start to the year. And, you you know, it, as a Brewers fan, you worried a little bit because you've seen this before with, with first baseman. They have one good year, and then it just kind of all goes to shit. That's why the Brewers haven't been really able to keep a first baseman. I think this is the first guy since Fielder that has been the opening day first baseman back-to-back -back years, Tellez, that is. Uh, and it, Rowdy had two home runs in the Friday night blowout. He had a home run on Thursday, also had the sack fly in the 10th inning to win the game for the Brewers. Um, a two hits uh, Saturday, even though they didn't amount to anything, he still had a multi-hit game. So three straight days with, you know, pretty solid, solid performance. Today didn't go so hot, 
But that doesn't matter. Like, I'll take that three out of four every time. And you just hope it continues. Uh, you hope Rowdy can keep seeing the ball really well. And guys still are trying to challenge Rowdy in his hot spots, which is very interesting. You'd think after a 30-homer season last year, they'd stop doing that. But they don't. And I, I'm here for it. And as was it Council? I think it was Council who said, like, you know, that guy can mash. And once he gets going, like, look out. And so we could be on a really good streak here for Rowdy. Um, and, you know, T-Mobile's not the... Now, I wouldn't say the easiest to hit a ball out, but you certainly certainly can make stuff happen there. So yeah, good good stuff all around from Riley to us. Four kegs away, Miley. Uh, dueling you Darvish on a Sunday. You Darvish, I think, would you qualify as the ace of the Padres? Uh, and beating him one nothing is something else. I mean, he's thirty six year old guy. He's you know been through a ton of teams and. Just being able to do that is so impressive. Um, and he was really special in this game. And he, this is now the second of the, two of the first three starts for Wade Miley where he's just been absolutely tremendous. And this was really, really good showing from him. Seven innings, uh, four hits allowed, no walks, eight strikeouts. He now has a 1.5 ERA uh, and took the win. So he's now two and one on the season. And even that game against Arizona, it wasn't that he struggled. He just had one bad inning. Like, you know, the fifth inning didn't really go his way, and that was it. And so if you take that fifth inning out, like, he was pretty solid too. And he was also going up against Zach Allen, who was on fire. And part of it was the umpire and whatever whatever that may be. But but at the end of the day, like, Wade's been good for the first three, and this has been an unexpected surprise. We've talked about a lot of the unexpected surprises for the Brewers. Wade Miley is certainly one. So if Wade Miley can keep this up, like that's going to make the Brewers a much better team. And that's going to really help with the Woodruff injury, as we already met, mentioned. So good stuff all around from Mr. Miley. Three kegs goes to Mike Brousseau. Uh, Mike Brousseau was pretty hot in that Arizona series. We featured him on the Golden Kegs. Uh, he stayed relatively hot. He had a home run on Thursday. He had an, a double, an RBI double on Friday night. Uh, didn't really do much this weekend, but solid start for Brousseau. Uh, really trying to push to play a, a bit more. He play, He ended up playing today when he had a day off because of the winker oblique tightness. So we'll see if Mike keeps getting at-bats against righties. Uh, it definitely makes things challenging for Greg Council. And Luis Urias is still going to be down for, it seems, I think, until the end of May. So, you know, Brasso's going to keep getting those opportunities to be a player for Craig Council. And Brasso's Brousseau's been been doing a solid job at it, and he deserves some credit. And I th I think that he, you know, it will see if this it continues. Uh, that that's just the you know you always expect these guys who are kind of utility bench players that at some point the bottom falls out. Um, but you know who knows? It could you could ride it for a, a little while longer. Two kegs, Freddie Peralta, man. Freddie really struggled in the game on on Saturday. What's crazy about this weekend is the Brewers really could have swept the Padres. I know they lost 10-3, and you're like, wow, Charlie, that's a little bit of a homer. But Freddie had, like, the Padres had two outs so many times, and then the Padres would get a little base knock here, or they'd get some hard contact there. And they their first five runs, had they, they were with two outs. Like, Freddie gets out of a couple of those, and that might have been a totally different ballgame. Uh, but yeah, just has to be better. Has to be better at finishing innings. Uh, cannot let good teams hang around like that. And I don't know if that's just a bad bad outing, you know, which happens as we as mentioned, 
or just, you know, playing the Padres. And the Padres were really dialed in to win this one, just considering the fact they had lost the last two. I don't know. But tough stuff from Fred. Uh, hopefully he bounces back when he faces Boston next week. I think he'll be Boston, right? Yeah. One tag, Matt Bush. Uh, Matt Bush was terrible on Thursday night. Uh, he gives up the game-tying home run to Manny Machado. Uh, he was, it was just, I mean... Matt Bush is not, to me, the eighth inning guy. I don't know what Craig Council sees in him from an eighth inning perspective, but it's just... Oh, Trent Grisham, sorry. It was Machado at the first inning. But yeah, Matt Bush walks the walks Matt Carpenter, who's the ninth inner, and then he gives up an absolute moonshot to Trent Grisham. Grisham had already followed one off. I just never got the Matt Bush thing. Um, he has two pitches. He struggled with them last year. He's struggling him with them again this year. Um, it, a lot of questions right now on Matt Bush. I think that's the one guy on the roster that you look at as the problem child. And he needs to figure it out. And you need to put him in potentially low leverage situations for the time being. Uh, Strzelecki got the eighth today, and I don't think that was on accident. I think Strzelecki has shown himself better in the high leverage situations. Strzelecki certainly could have been featured in this. Devin Williams certainly could have been featured in this. But yeah, I, I don't know if that's a changing of the guard or that's just, you know, one game thing. Uh, we'll have to see uh, if the Brewers get put in in other tight situations uh, it, going forward. Uh, Joel Poyamas got a save, which made me nervous. I was like, I can't believe he's getting the 10th inning, but he, he did his job. He also got out of jam. I think what day was that? Oh, um, on on Saturday, before like the Padres had broken open, uh, Payamas got you know a double play, got out of that inning. Like, so I don't know, maybe Payamas gets you know some of those you know high leverage stuff. But yeah, Strzelecki, I think is the guy over Matt Bush. Matt Bush just isn't a guy right now, uh, and I think the the better the Brewers would be if uh, Matt Bush wasn't wasn't a part of their high leverage situation. So we'll see what the Milwaukee Brewers will do this week in Seattle uh, as they wrap up their West Coast road trip. They are four and three. They missed Luis Castillo too, who's had a really awesome start to this season. Uh, so just get one more, and we're we're in house money land. So tomorrow it will be who got the matchups for the Brewers tomorrow. Tomorrow the Brewers will go with Corbin Burns against Chris Flexen. Then on Tuesday it will be. Colin Ray against Logan Gilbert, probably not one that will work out for the Brewers. Logan Gilbert, pretty solid if you haven't watched him. Dude's a stud. And then for their afternoon to wrap up their road trip, uh, Eric Lauer versus Marco Gonzalez. That might be a bet the over uh, situation because both of those pitchers are suspect at best. News came across the wire on Friday that Buda Baker wanted out of Arizona. Uh, Buda Baker likely looking for a new deal. Uh, he has he's 13 million against the cap this this year. Uh, there's a 14-2 option uh, next year, um, and then he's an unrestricted free agent at, in 2025. Uh, that contract is not terrible, but with where the Packers sit because of the Aaron Rodgers deal and some of the other stuff that they have already went through. They are not necessarily in a position to just take on $27 million. And it also speaks to the frustration of deals not getting done with Rodgers. Because if the deal was done with Rodgers and they were able to move some money off the books, maybe they could figure out a way. But that's a lot of fucking money. That's a lot of money. 
and Baker has said that he wants to be a top-paid guy in the NFL, that makes things really difficult. And it just speaks to the causes of going all in and struggling with sort of how do you adjust that? How do you right-size that? And I would love to tell you that Buda Baker should be a Green Bay Packer tomorrow. But it doesn't feel like it's a realistic, viable option for the Green Bay Packers because they just do not have the money to take on $27 million. But that's exactly the guy that you need. So how, like, the friction there just sucks. Like, I, I, it just frustrates me as someone that's been banging the table to get a, a veteran safety because I don't like what's in the draft. I don't think you can put a, a rookie in there day one and expect that he's going to perform any different than Darnell Savage or Adrian Amos. Adrian Amos is still a free agent and still could come back. You never know. And to me, it feels more likely that Adrian comes back unless there's been a bridge burn there that we don't know about. I don't know. But it's it's just one of those things that's very frustrating to think about You know, because it, it, it really should be a player that Green Bay could target. But the contract, the desire for him to get a new contract uh, just doesn't seem to really fit with what Green Bay has available. And maybe this is the new era of being a Packer fan, which sucks to think about, right? Like you want to spend money, you want to do things, but because you're hamstrung by a contract that you you know will be paying out to Rodgers for a few more years, then also at some point having to pay Jordan Love, um, it's, it's going to be really difficult, man. It, I don't kind of don't know how they're going to pull this all off. Um, and maybe they can work their magic and figure out a way to get Buda Baker in there. But I don't think it's going to happen. And I just wanted to touch on it quick before wrapping up the show because it's just, it's just frustrating. It's just a, a bad reminder of what could have been, could have been there. And yeah, uh, that would have been definitely a guy that I think everyone would love uh, in a Green Bay Packer uniform, but it's very unlikely that happens. But you never know. You never know. Uh, I've been surprised before. The Saints trade for guys, and I'm like, Saints have no money. How do they keep doing this? Uh, the Saints are always in cap hell, yet they figure out sometimes to sign guys. They just signed Derek Carr. And I was like, how the fuck do they do that? So who knows? Maybe, maybe it's still on the table. All right, that does it for today's show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with the Tabbing the Keg, uh, po- Tabbing the Keg Madness winner, Mike, who's going to be on the show. Uh, we're going to do, you know, kind of maybe like 10 questions or something like that. I'll have him ask me some questions. I'm not sure how long we'll, we'll go, but we're going we're gonna to chop it up. Uh, so that'll be great. Probably off Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday will be, actually, I don't know yet. We'll stay tuned. Well, yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, we'll stay stay tuned for the schedule. Obviously, we'll be back Thursday uh, after game two. And then Mitch and I are going to be for Friday, get you ready for game three. Also talk about the first two games. Uh, so, yeah, probably a day off there heading into the game on Wednesday. So, yeah, no, no podcast for me for Wednesday, but we'll have one for you Tuesday with Mike and I. And then we will get get back at it with instant reaction after game two. And then uh, Mitch and I the following day. So that, that will be the schedule. I will probably have a podcast on sat on Sunday uh, after game three. I, I haven't decided that yet, but stay tuned on that. Let me know if you want game three reaction on Sunday or you could wait till Monday. 
Because basically, if I do a game three pod, we, we won't do anything Monday because I believe there is, I think we have game four on, on that following Monday as it. So there's really no reason to do something on Monday as a, as a spacer. So let me know. Um, I would certainly don't have any problems getting you out something on Monday. All right, I've talked too much. You probably don't care this, this much about my personal schedule. Take care of yourselves. Have a great day. Monday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, see you. Bye.